you must love what you're doing when you miss it as much as I miss doing these shows. Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We are back after a week vacation. Thanksgiving, one of my favorite holidays. Did a ton of stuff. Ton of stuff. So we needed to take a break to get you know, a little free time. A little, little free time. But I miss doing these the entire time. I miss doing it so much that I did interviews almost every day, even though I wasn't publishing and editing and doing shows. So this week we have four interviews already under wraps, already ready to go. Just do some little intros, talk about cool stuff going on, you know, and then throw on an awesome interview with some really cool people in the Illinois Valley. This is a pretty special podcast because we have Fieldcrest football coach Derek Schneeman. Awesome interview. Always a blast to talk to Derek. And he had a lot to be very excited about. The Knights finished the season 12-1 and and got to a Class 2A semifinal, which ties the best that the school has ever done, which happened in 2014. Our last show had Drew Barth, who is an alum of Fieldcrest, graduated in 2016, and as a junior, he was the quarterback for that squad that went to the semifinal. So, we're happy to have him with us. It was a blast. Always fun. Always fun. I know I just said that, but it is always fun talking to Derek. I have a blast doing these interviews, talking to everybody, getting their side of the story, getting to know them a little better than we have before. That's what these are here for. And so we can all get to know the people that we see on the sidelines or that are behind the programs, your kids, your friends, family members, whoever. Maybe you don't even have a person on the team, but you like going and checking these things out. This helps you get to know them just a little bit better. But before we get to Derek, I have some things I wanted to share with you guys. Some Thanksgiving stuff, some wrestling stuff. Yeah, wrestling. WWE. Crazy. And more. Let's do that before we get to Derek. First of all, Thanksgiving. Man, great time with the family. Tons of awesome food. Actually, it is Monday and still ate Thanksgiving leftovers for dinner. It was awesome. Some turkey, some gravy was still left, cranberry sauce, coconut pie. There's a piece of pumpkin pie left that will probably be demolished by tonight or tomorrow. It is awesome. Thanksgiving is like shopping for a week for one dinner one meal it is wonderful i wish we could do it all the time but then i don't because i'd be 800 pounds i'm already a pretty big guy not huge but decent size if every day was thanksgiving i'd be colossal colossal with a capital c underlined underscored capitalized highlighted in the brightest boldest color very very big very very big with thanksgiving came the bears yes it was a win Yes, it looks really bad. Yes, it was the Detroit Lions who are worse than the Chicago Bears. I, I really can't be happy about it. I'm happy about a win. Always Chicago Bears get a win. You know it's cool. You can say you got another W on the season. But it was against a really bad team. And the rest of the Chicago Bears season schedule is awful. We got the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, the Dallas Cowboys, Kansas City Chiefs. I don't see any of those as wins. None of them. All of them have better offenses. The Vikings have a better defense. The Packers, I think, have a better defense. Cowboys, uh, that's questionable. And the Chiefs, that's eh, kind of questionable. But they're solid. 
Bears are supposed to be one of the best in the in the NFL, but really hasn't been after injuries. Hakeem Hicks, we've talked about many, many times. Khalil Mack is getting triple teamed. The secondary is getting tired because they're on the field so much. So it hasn't been the way we wanted it to be, but still okay. They've been holding us in the games. They have been keeping the teams that even have beat us to low-scoring games. I mean, it's not like we're getting blown out 50-something to nothing, 22-7, 27-14, you know, stuff like that. So thank you to the Chicago Bears defense for keeping this season at least watchable. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes I turn it off like, oh, this isn't watchable. But it's my Chicago Bears. I always watch. There's no doubt about that. Also during the Thanksgiving break, got to have dinner with my mom on Saturday. Me and my girlfriend and mom had some great eats, got to talk to her for a while. And it was crazy because we sat there and talked most of the time about video games and wrestling, <laughs> which was kind of funny. My mom's not a gamer. My girlfriend's not a gamer. I'm actually kind of like a retired gamer. I never really was like crazy, crazy into it. You know, if I play like two or three hours, that's good for me. I can't play much longer than that because I get anxious or I got to go. I got to do something. Because even though I am a bigger guy, I've always been moving. I'm always doing something. And I can't like just sit there. None of us are like really true gamers, but sit there and talk about some video games. I just got Red Dead Redemption and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And I'm an NBA 2K junkie when I am playing two, three, four hours a day or every other day. It's always NBA 2K. I get down. A lot of you get down too. I've played a lot of high school kids and some former coaches and, and stuff like that. Maybe I should open like a challenge series where like a NBA 2K like league will keep records and stuff. I don't know. If any of you guys are interested, hit me up. That'll be tons of fun. And then we were talking about wrestling. Why? Because last weekend. I joined Jared Bell, former colleague at the News Tribune, who is still there in the advertising department. Shout out to Jay Bell. But we went to Survivor Series in Rosemont. Everybody calls it Chicago, but it's Rosemont, Illinois, to the Allstate Arena. I've been there tons of times. I was trying to figure out with Jared. I probably watched six or seven shows there. All of them are awesome. All of them are a good time. The crowd in Rosemont is bananas. <laughs> So we got actually tickets for all four shows. So Friday would have been SmackDown. Saturday was NXT TakeOver. Sunday was the legit Survivor Series. And then Monday was Raw. But between work schedules and, and things like that, he has kids. I have a, a life and family and, and things like that as well. Jobs. All that other good stuff. We went to Saturday and Sunday shows. So we went to TakeOver and Survivor Series. Missed out on the... TV show, SmackDown and Raw. But we've been to other ones. Actually, me and Jared went to a Raw together. We went to the 2013 WWE Payback together. Wow, I have been to a lot of shows. I went to WWE, well, it would have been F at the time, WWF house shows in the early 90s. I went to one in probably like 91 and one in 92. I've seen Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and all those good guys, the Bushwhackers and the Legion of Doom and you know, guys like that. Legends. Absolute legends. And then my mom and I, which this is what we were talking about most at our dinner on Saturday, was we went to a house show in probably like 1997. It had to have been 97 because Brian Pillman was still there, who died of an overdose in October of 97. And he was still a member of the Hart Foundation, so that means Bret Hart, Owen Hart, 
British Bulldog, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, they were all there. And they, three of them, Bulldog, Bret Hart, Nightheart, all left in November of 97. So this had to have been in the summer, July, August. My mother and I were talking about it. It had to have been in probably like August of 97. Anyways, we were talking about these shows and how she, she, she's not even a wrestling fan. But between her dad when she was younger, and he passed away unfortunately when she was 13, R.I.P. Grandpa. But she grew up watching it with him and you know her uncles and things like that. And then I come along and I'm watching it, and she's kind of been around wrestling for quite a while and not even been a fan. She's always been a fan of The Undertaker. That's always her favorite. And I have to share the story. And she listens to all these podcasts too, which that blows my mind. When we went to that house show in 1997. This is when Stone Cold Steve Austin was just starting to get big. So, you know, he's flipping people off. He's giving Stone Cold stunners to absolutely everybody, you know, that kind of stuff. I think it was just the beginning of that. I was only like 13, 13, 12, somewhere in that era. I was born in 85, so 97, if it's July or August, and I was born in October, you know, I'm, a, I'm 11 years old. So everybody's like flipping people off because Stone Cold Steve Austin's doing it and I can't or I didn't want to in front of my mom at least. So she was. So I would stick her hand up while she's flipping off the crowd or not the crowd but whoever the wrestler was or Stone Cold Steve Austin and she's flipping them off and I'm holding her hand. See I can't do it but you can. It was hilarious and she gets a kick out of it. So then you know her arm was getting tired. So we bought the foam finger that was flipping everybody off that said Stone Cold Steve Austin and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. It was a great memory for me and my mom. An event that she has fun with, even though she's not a big fan. She can't tell you any wrestlers outside of, you know, the ones that I liked. Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Undertaker. Undertaker is her favorite. Black's her favorite color. And she thought he was always creepy, scary, but liked him as an entertainer. So that's cool. And then yeah, me and Jared have been to a few. We went to Survivor Series this past weekend. It was phenomenal. Way better than I thought it was going to be. I knew NXT TakeOver was going to be better than Survivor Series. It has been going on that way for quite a little while now. Where the development league is kind of better than the main shows. It's kind of weird that it's happening like that. But what they're doing in NXT is groundbreaking and very, very entertaining. Speaking of entertaining, the main event for that show was bananas. So it's war games, two rings inside a cage, which didn't have a top on like they used to in the war games in WCW. And to be completely honest with you, I like it without the, the top. It doesn't need a top because it kind of limits you. You can't do any high flying really. If you watch the old pay-per-views in like 1985 or I, I believe it was in the 80s when they started doing this in WCW. They, they originated the war games with the steel cage and then they had a top over and two rings. And you could almost like climb on it. Like wrestlers could literally just stand in the ring and reach and touch the top, especially if you were tall. So I'm glad they didn't have it. And the main event ended with Ciampa, I believe his name is, had Adam Cole on his back, like across his shoulders, and just jumped off the corner of the top of the cage I don't want to say he jumped he kind of just like leaned over and fell right through two tables it was insane and like I was saying about the crowd being intense we were legitimately chanting please don't die <laughs> it was insane 
you had tons of people. I don't even know how many people were there. It was, you know, 15,000, 20,000. The place was packed, insanely packed. It was awesome. It was a great environment. I always love going to Allstate. We were chanting, please don't die, man. And Kevin Owens made the surprise entry. I mean, if you listen to wrestling podcast, it was kind of known that he was going to come. You know, you still, I took it as a surprise anyway, because it was awesome. As soon as his music hit, because he, of course, he was the last person to enter the cage. They took a second to get him in. Like the other guys on his team, he was on Chapa's team against Undisputed Era. And they took a little bit to, to get his music going, like building the drama. And then as soon as they played the first, the first second of his music, the place erupted. I stood up, I'm screaming, I think I, I didn't lose my voice like I thought I was going to on Monday, but you could definitely tell that I had been screaming for two days straight. It was a lot of fun. It was a blast. That match is going down in like my top 10, and I have been watching wrestling since the early 90s. I was born in 85, I was probably watching like 90 or 91, and I watched till probably about 98, I think I stopped like right after WrestleMania 14, playing sports, I was a basketball player. And girls come around, there's other interests, hanging out with your friends. So, you know, I kind of dropped wrestling for a little bit, then started watching again in 2011, so I took a decade off. And then I probably stopped about, I don't know, 2016 or something. It kind of got stale. I was watching the same show every week. And now, if you try to keep up with it, it's like nine hours of wrestling just watching WWE. Just way too many shows, and if I'm watching something, I'm an all-in guy. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to watch this show or fast forward and rewind and, you know, all that stuff. I watch the shows. I'm not going to jump around and like, oh, you know, this one's better than this one, so I'm not going to watch that. No, I watch them all. So instead of doing that and wasting very, very valuable time, and not wasting, but, you know, I, got, I want to do podcasts. I want to just sit here watching wrestling every day, all day. That's why I'm not even a gamer anymore. I'd rather do stuff like this. I'd rather talk about sports and my interests than just diving into interest and nothing else. But that show was super crazy cool. The women's war games to open up the takeover for NXT was fantastic. Rhea Ripley is a monster. Oh man, <laughs> I could sit here and go on and go on, but it was a week ago. So if you're a wrestling fan, you probably already know what happened. So I'm just sharing you my interest, my excitement about the show. And honestly, the whole weekend, the worst match was the main event of Survivor Series, the triple threat with Bailey Baszler, Shayna Baszler, and Becky Lynch, the man. And it's not because the match was awful. It's not because they didn't wrestle well. It was slowed down. It was way slower than the matches that had just happened. Before that was Brock Lesnar and Rey Mysterio. Not that it was a great match or anything, but it was a bulldozer. And then you had Dominic, Rey, Rey Mysterio's son, come in, they both 619 Lesnar, and they both jump off the top rope and land on Lesnar, not at the same time, they took their turns. But it was amazing. That was probably the highest spot of the Survivor Series. Owens' entry in the fall at the end of the men's war games was probably the, the high note of the, the weekend. But the Dominic and Rey Mysterio Jr. spot against Brock, that was pretty awesome. That will go down as a huge moment for WWE. And I'm glad I was a part of that. And then the match before that was the elimination match between the three teams, the NXT, Raw, and SmackDown with the likes of Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens was in that, Randy Orton, Ciampa, Keith Lee, who is a monster. 
Keith Lee got his shine on it to Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver. It was fantastic. I don't, I haven't really watched. I didn't know who he was going in. But they made him look like a million dollars. He looked like a superstar. Superstar stud. It was awesome. But that caliber of names, that caliber of talent, then you follow that up with Brock and Ray, and then you throw these three women in after fast-moving, intense, big moments. And they didn't have a big moment. They didn't have... Everybody thought Ronda Rousey was going to come in. That didn't happen. You had Becky Lynch beat up Baszler at the end after the match was over, after Baszler had already won. But it really wasn't, like, climatic. It wasn't a huge moment. It, it didn't really... It didn't stir anything. It didn't make anybody like, Oh my God, what's going on? That didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. Wasn't that the match was awful. It was just that they were the last match of a busy weekend. People were getting tired. I mean, th those are long shows. Long, long shows. NXT was probably about two and a half, three hours. And then Survivor Series, oh, I was probably, we were there at four, a little bit after four. Didn't leave till 9.30, 10 o'clock. That's a long time. That's a long time to hold somebody's attention span. Long time to have somebody sitting down. You know, a long time <laughs> sitting there thinking, man, I got work at 7 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. Man, I got to go to work at 8. I got to drive an hour and a half home. We live an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes outside of Chicago, Rosemont. So, you know, it's a drive too. <laughs> so it was, you know, put that on, it's the last match. Not saying it was because there were women that it, it was boring and didn't hold people. Not at all. There's a lot of women's matches that are the main event and should be the main event for a reason. It just lacked main event material because of the build-up to that match. Jared and I knew that the NXT TakeOver was going to be better than Survivor Series, but Survivor Series held up to its end of the bargain and was a fantastic show. Alright, moving on from wrestling. I talked a lot about Survivor Series, but it was a blast. And I love going to those shows, even though I don't follow much anymore. I actually liked not knowing the people in NXT. In the matches at Survivor Series, there's a few people that I had barely heard their name or just heard their name and that was it it was a lot of fun watching them it makes it cool to watch when you're not expecting something or you know the finish or even roman reigns you know what he's gonna do every time he gets in the ring it's the same deal you know he's gonna do the superman punch you know he's gonna spear yeah it's it's the same so not knowing these guys not knowing their moves not knowing their schemes and and how they maneuver in the ring it was it was a blast i had a lot of fun and if i wasn't with family wasn't doing stuff. I was chilling, playing some NBA 2K, and listening to some music. I had the opportunity to check out a few albums that I had not heard yet that I really wanted to hear. The new Fab album, Fabulous, who has always been one of my favorites. It came out November 29th, so I think I listened to it the day after it came out. And Summertime Shootout was a pretty solid album. There was some auto-tune. I'm not a big auto-tune fan. But I've always liked Fabulous' style. He's got the... I don't even want to really call him gangster. <laughs> He's not really a gangster rapper. But I'm the man records, we'll call him that. I'm the man records, hey, I got some cars, I got some clothes, I got some money. Then he's got the tracks with the female R&B singers where they have awesome dope hooks that great writers wrote. And then you got Fabulous with the verse that comes and makes it all sound really awesome just always finds a way to make an album flow real well. He had some good, I'm, I'm going to say great, he had some great collabs, 
he sounded good with it was kind of new and old it wasn't just all you know 90 late 90s 2000 rappers it wasn't like that it was it was a mixture but yeah i mean summertime shootout three coldest summer ever i definitely recommend it he had tracks with meek mill lil dirk a boogie with the hoodie tiana taylor gucci man two chains Corey lanes high dollar sign yfm Lucci. Yeah, some really good songs on there. I liked Choosy with Jeremiah. That was that was a pretty good song. It starts off with Cold Summer as the first track. And he asks, have you ever got a cold in the summer? I was thinking, you know what, that is really annoying. It happens to me almost every summer because you're going in and out of air conditioning and stuff like that. I also got to listen to Jim Jones' album, El Capo, that came out in May. I've always been a Jones fan, not my favorite rapper, not a rapper that I listen to all the time, but when I do check out one of his albums, his mixtapes are actually fire. I really like his mixtapes. This album held up, man, it was awesome. It was a really good album. I talked about everything. The NYC track with Fat Joe, not really a Fat Joe fan at all, but it was great. It was fantastic. I think I listened to it on repeat like four or five times. My Era with Mano and Drama was cool. Nothing Last with Fabulous was cool. Also had tons of collabs. It was good to see Jim Jones and Cameron back together. Sports cars with Currency. Always been a Currency fan. I thought he should have blew up way more than he has. Great MC. If you didn't know, I'm a huge rap fan. I've been listening to it pretty much since I came out of the womb. <laughs> Always liked rap, hip-hop, R&B. You know, listen to a little bit of other stuff. I do know some country. I know some pop. Country, pop. They're all the same to me now. It all kind of sounds similar. Just some some of the country people have a little twang in their voice, but otherwise the music itself, pretty much the same. Throwing a banjo, or take the banjo out, whichever one you want to do, and I guess that decides if it's a country song or a pop song. I mean, take a Justin Timberlake song and throw a tambourine and a banjo in there, and it kind of sounds like a... Keith Urban song. I don't know. He's the only country guy that came to my mind. But I don't think there's much difference anymore. There really isn't. Anyway, back to Jim Jones. Great album. He's been in the game for a long time. I remember Bowling? <laughs> that came out when I was in high school. And it played on for a long time. But it was really cool to check out that album. I should have checked it out earlier. I'm just now getting back into the music deal. I mean, I listen to music, but I go through my spurts with new music and old music. Because nothing's ever going to surpass Biggie, Notorious B.I.G., Life After Death is a good album. Ready to Die is my favorite album ever. Juicy is my favorite song that has ever been produced, wrapped, created, sold, whatever. Juicy is my favorite song ever. Nothing surpasses that era. Bone Thugs and Harmony, Tupac, Nas, early Jay-Z. Like That was the era that I grew up in, listened to it tons. Even when I was in high school, then Nelly came out, which is not really a rapper, but man, I have tons of memories of him. Lil Wayne, I can map out my life to Lil Wayne album. Every song that he came out, every album that he's came out with, I can tell you where I was, I can tell you how old I was, I can tell you the, my, my mind frame if I was being a good dude or trying to get in trouble, <laughs> like I can remember everything. If I was dating somebody, who I was dating at that time, legitimately, his albums are like a timetable of my life. It's kind of crazy. But he's only a couple years older than me. He first started rapping when I was 11 or 12. 
and that was when I really started to get into music. And I've been a music hip-hop head ever since. Anyway, it was fun checking out albums. Check those two out. Jim Jones, El Capo, and Fabulous, Summertime Shootout 3, Coldest Summer Ever. Both are great listens. I recommend them. If there's anything that you recommend, let me know. I always like checking out new stuff. If I haven't heard it, or if I have heard it, we can talk about it. With that said, send us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. I'm always down to talk about whatever. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to us on Apple Music, iTunes, both Edge of Your Seat Podcast. You can follow our Facebook page, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. And, of course, on Twitter, Edge of Your CP. Please give us a follow. Share us around. Let people know we're just talking about awesome stuff all the time. Speaking of, high school football wrapped up. So that means I had to talk to some local coaches who had great seasons and we hadn't had the chance to talk to them yet, even though we talked to a bunch of their players and had a great time doing so. Today we have Fieldcrest coach Derek Schneeman. He's been with the program six years. I was at the News Tribune for eight, and now I've started doing this. I've been along for the ride his whole career, and it has been fun to watch. He's only missed the playoffs once. So he's on today. We have Princeton coach Ryan Pearson will be on tomorrow. We're going to shoot for podcasts to make it regular. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This week, though, because I have an abundance of interviews and... I'm itching to, to get, them, get them out and put them together. Ryan Pearson will run tomorrow, which is Tuesday. Also, a great interview. Much love for the Tigers. Much love for football. Three seasons with the Tigers. Second round last year. This year, a trip to the semifinal. Man, both of these coaches are doing big things. But with that said, the championships, Illinois High School Association championship games, were this weekend. And want to run down the scores. Class 1A, Lena Winslow is the champ with a 58-20 win over, I always mess up this school, Mawigua, what did I say, Mawiga, Mawigua, Central A&M. That's no disrespect to you. Just can't really say stuff if I've never heard anybody say it before. I see this all the time and I'm like, Mawigua, Mawagua? Because <laughs> it's an M and... You know, I've covered teams from Manulis and Mendota and stuff like that, so I always see it in, in the list, but I never know how to say it. Two-way, Sterling Newman, state champs with the first-year coach in Brandon Kreismore, 35-14 over Nashville. It's fantastic for Kreismore to pick up where former coach Mike Pusha left off. He was there for a long, long time. Time, storied career with the Newman comments. Papusha took over the team 1980-81 season in his run from 1980 to 2018. He won five state championships and was the runner-up twice. That is insane. Talk about losing seasons. He didn't have one. No, I'm just kidding. He had like four or five, but that's, you know, that's going to happen. In the last nine years with the Comets, he only had 11 losses. That's insane. Insane. The last time that the Comets did not go to the playoffs was in 2000, and they had a 5-4 and four record. That is 19 straight seasons of going to the playoffs. Also, with state championships, 
this past weekend. In Class 3A, Williamsville beat Byron, who is the one that knocked out Princeton. But Princeton only lost 7-3 to Byron. Williamsville scored 46 to Byron's 42. I don't like to be, hey, the what-if guy, but imagine if Princeton was able to flip that and beat Byron 7-3. I think they're walking away Class 3A champions. That's insane. Their defense did the best against Byron, I believe, all year. Class 4A, Richmond Burton defeated Murfreesboro. I got some love for Murfreesboro. I went to SIU in Carbondale, and it's right outside of Murfreesboro. Or Murfreesboro is right outside of Carbondale. A lot of kids from Murphy go to Carbondale. They go to SIU. So shout out to them. Class 5A, Rochester, which is the team that knocked out LaSalle, Peru in the first round. They won a Class 5A championship, 42-28 over Chicago St. Rita. In Class 6A, East St. Louis beat Crystal Lake Prairie Ridge, 43-21. In 7A, Mount Carmel in Chicago won 37-13 against Nazareth Academy in LaGrange Park. And in 8A, the big boys, Lincoln Way East in Frankfurt, beat Warren, which is in Gurney, 12-0. Congrats to all those teams. Great season. Who doesn't like adding to the banners or creating banners? I mean, man, state championships. I was lucky enough to cover Hall's baseball state championship in 2018, and it was a special feeling, and I wasn't even on the team. I watched them. I covered them. I actually did radio broadcast of the state tournament games and the title game. It was fantastic. Just great atmosphere. It was awesome to see the kids super happy, knowing what they had accomplished and that it doesn't happen often. So congrats to the football squads that were able to do so as well. Well, I think that's enough for me. Hopefully everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Christmas right around the corner. We're going to hit you with tons of awesome interviews, tons of whatever we feel like. It's edge of your seat. We're going to keep you on the edge, doing what we want to, just creating great shows for you guys to listen to and enjoy. With that said, here's Derek Schneeman. Hopefully you guys enjoy the interview. Actually, there's no hopefully. I know you will. Until next time, peace. Unfortunately for the area, football season is over. But we had great memories this season, including Fieldcrest going to the Class 2A IHSA semifinal. And we are very, very thankful to have Knights coach Derek Schneeman with us. Derek, how are you today? Good, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Of course. I mean, with the season you had, there was no way I couldn't ask if you'd come talk to us. Yeah, I mean, it was a heck of a run. Um, you know, I would have liked to beat Sterling Newman and play for a state title on Friday, but... Uh, it just wasn't meant to be for whatever reason. We didn't play well enough to win, and credit Newman. Um, and they have a great program. But, you know, we did a lot of special things this year. Well, let's just start with the game against Newman. It was 21-7 against a, you know, a Newman team that everybody was saying, oh, it's not as good as the other Newman teams. But I think as the season went on, they started to pick up like, hey, these guys could be you know make a crazy long playoff run and, and they did yeah you know um i think they were in some spots relying on maybe some younger guys some unproven guys and, 
uh, they certainly got better as the year went on. And, um, you know, credit them because they were playing their best ball down the stretch, uh, you know, towards the, you know, week seven, eight, nine, the regular season and into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they, they just, they do what they do and they do it well. It's not like, it's nothing special, but, you know, they play low and they're physical and, um, you know, they run the wishbone offense and they're fine with three, four yards and, you know, defensively they're very aggressive and um, they just do a lot of really, really tough things that, you know, if, if you're a team that, you know, gets behind the eight ball and, you know, gets behind early, it's tough to come back. That's kind of what happened. I mean, was the intensity there for you guys? Was it just, you know, having trouble stopping what they were doing? What, what was it that, you know, got you guys behind? You know, I, I think our guys were ready to play, and I, I think they were certainly um, hyped up. I think the intensity was there. Um, it came down to, you know, us, I feel like we got a little antsy. I tried to do too much in some situations where, you know, it would have been good enough offensively to just move the chains. I think we tried to take a couple of shots that we didn't necessarily need to, and that resulted in us either punting or, um, you know, turning it over and giving them some extra opportunities to score. And, um, you know, I think once they scored the first touchdown, we felt like, well, okay, uh, we have to do something to get that back right away. Threw an interception, and they came down, and they actually scored in the next play, took a shot, and... Um, you know, we, we tried to do, I felt like we were moving the ball decently offensively, but um, for one reason or another, couldn't sustain drives, whether it was because of penalties or turnovers. Uh, they stopped us short on fourth and one on a particular drive. And they just, you know, they did enough to win. They, they scored, um, like I said, twice in the first half, and then they scored in, in the second half and got up 21 nothing. And, you know, from there, um, the defense could just kind of pin their ears back and pressure our quarterback, which they did. And um, we were able to score late, but it was just, you know, too late to, to try to stage a comeback. Our guys battled to the end, though. I'm really proud of how we finished. Definitely. And, I mean, this squad is only the second in Fieldcrest history to make it to a semifinal. So just talk about this team and what it meant to, to you to be able to coach this group to get to that level. I mean, it doesn't only second time for Fieldcrest, and it doesn't happen for some programs ever. No, I mean, it's it's really special. And uh, you know, as a coaching staff, you know, we've, we've told our guys a number of times that it's, it's been probably the most fun year we've had coaching. And you know, it's, it's just a group of guys that, you know, have are really fun to be around. They're very personable, and they're very coachable. Uh, they do everything you possibly ask, and... Um, you know, they're very hardworking. It's just everything you want in a group of guys to be able to coach. Um, they were it. And, um, you know, obviously they were very talented as well. So it was just a lot of fun, you know. To, it was, it's a journey. You know, football season, you know, starts um, basically in November, December uh, in the weight room. And, you know, you go through the spring and you get to the summer and, um, you know, we, we take an overnight camp at Eureka College every year, and um, that was a blast. And, you know, heading into August practice, you know, it was just, it, it was fun watching these guys come to practice every day, wanting to get better. And it was just a really, really fun group to be around, and it's just an enjoyable experience, I think, for everybody. Definitely. So you guys entered the the game against Newman undefeated. So you guys finished, was it 12-1? and 1? Yep. Mm-hmm. So you finished 12-1, and 1 and... 
Uh, you know, following through the season, you guys had some big wins against, you know, conference opponents that are, you know, Tri-Valley, Gibson City, Melvin Sibley, monster squads in your conference. I just want to know if the highlight of your guys's, you know, besides getting to the semifinal, was when you knocked off number one. Was that Gibson City? Yeah, yeah. Was, um, that, was that the highlight? Because I know they were on some crazy run. You can give me the details. I know I talked to you for for a story, but they were, they were on a crazy run. They had been number one for a while, and they had beaten Fieldcrest for quite a few times in a row. The experience of being able to knock them off. You know, they went undefeated and won the state title in 2A in 2014, or excuse me, 2017. Uh, did the same thing last year in 2018. So it had been a while, at least since 2016, since they had lost a game at all. Um, you know, coming in, I think we played them week four, so we were both 3-0. and um, You know, it was uh, one of those things that... You know, you don't know exactly if, if you can do it. You just got to, you know, you watch the film and you prepare guys the best they can. And we came out, we played really, really well. Um, you know, it was just, it was a lot of fun to be able to compete on, on that level uh, this year with, with some of the top teams in our conference. You know, to watch our guys execute the game plan and, and have fun doing it against Gibson City was a blast. And, you know, there was, it was just a really really good high school football game all, all around, you know, I mean, there was, there's plays on both sides, you know, there's momentum shifts and we are defensively, it felt like we did an outstanding job of containing the running back, uh, Aiden Lafferty, who, um, is just a tremendously talented kid. He's only a sophomore and he's going to do great things, um, the rest of his high school career, but our defense played really well. We pursued the ball really well. And offensively, we just scored enough and won 14 to six. And I think from there, you know, um, it had kind of been a while since we had gotten a, a big win against uh, one of the top teams in our conference. And uh, for this team, I think the biggest thing was we needed to build some confidence and see on the field that we could compete and beat uh, some of the best teams in our conference. You know, I, I think you know, the first sign of that was Tri-Valley um, because we hadn't beaten them since 2014. So to beat them week two was huge for us. And then to beat a good Tremont team in week three, uh, the way we did was was also a big confidence booster. But then to get that win against Gibson City, I think really set the tone for the rest of the year and showed our guys just how good they they could be. Because you can tell them and tell them, and you know you see the talent and you see the ability. But until they actually do it and see rewards on the field, you know it's hard for them to to really understand how good they can be. And that Gibson City game, I think, really showed all the guys that hey, we can be really, really good. Yeah, I was I was pumped up when I was I was following it on Twitter. I had wrote the story for the game of the week for the News Tribune at the time, and I was pumped up for that game. And when I saw you guys were winning and then won, I was I was ecstatic because I knew it had been a while, and they were I mean they were looked at as a juggernaut in two way and in the conference. Yeah. So for you guys to knock them off, that was huge. Yeah, yeah, and like, like I said, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, just to beat a program of Gibson City's caliber, you know, they, they're very well coached. Uh, Mike Allen uh, does a great job, obviously, with that program and the success they've had. And, and for us to to get that win against the program, you know, for what they've done the last couple of years was huge for us. Definitely. For this year's team, for, for you guys, for the Knights, I mean, and it's not like you haven't had talent before. I feel the whole time that I've I've been in the area covering sports for eight years, I feel like Fieldcrest has had pretty polished athletes pretty much the entire time that I've, I've been in the sports world here. What was it about this year where, 
like all the pieces just seem to fall in place. Like you had talent everywhere. You had the line had size. The defense knew what it was doing. It seemed like they were in the right place every play. What was it about this squad that clicked more than others in the past? Well, that's a great question. You know, I, I do feel like we we seem to have uh, some really skilled kids every year. You know, I think with this year it was just it, it came down to the overall, I guess, the work ethic. And that's not to say every group I have. I think it's, it's pretty hard working, but these guys, they really set a goal early on and, and really wanted to be good and have a really good season, and they worked to it. You know, their their work ethic when it comes to practice was second to none. You know, we had some really good practices, and the guys didn't take their drill work for granted, and we had some really physical team periods, you know, whether it was inside run or uh, blitz pick up with their offensive line or just, you know, team offense or team defense. I felt like both sides really got after it. And our scout team, you know, those guys don't really get the get their names in the newspaper. Uh, a lot of those guys will be starters for us next year, a lot of juniors who uh, just do a tremendous job for us in practice. They, they get after and they push our starters. And I think that's probably what really set us apart. Um, you know, it, our practices were, were phenomenal this year. And, uh, you know, we had um, just some really, really physical days where um, you came out of it knowing that we, we got better today and we're definitely prepared for the upcoming game. And this is, is this your fifth or sixth year with Fieldcrest? Uh, sixth. Sixth. So you just wrapped up your sixth season. I mean, since, you know, the beginning of the journey to where you're at now, I mean... You can never predict what's going to happen or where you're going to be at in six years, seven years, eight years, anything like that. But are you kind of on like a flow, a journey that, you know, you look back on and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm proud of what I've been able to do here and what my teams, my teams have accomplished? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think you always wonder of what could have been. You know, you always, no matter how successful your season, unfortunately, you kind of always think about that last game, you know, and. If that last game's not winning the state title, you you wonder, you know, what I could have done differently, you know, what what could have been improved on. Um, so you know, you always you kind of second guess yourself, but at the end of the day, yeah, you know, I'm I'm proud of uh, of what we've done in six years, and you know, I'm proud of the coaching staff we have. I'm very fortunate to have a coaching staff who's uh, selfless and really has the kids' best interests at heart, and there aren't really any egos. We just we, we come and you know want to uh, improve our, our team as best we can, and you know it's uh, our staff is just our personalities mesh well, and you know I just feel like we do a really good job of trying to make this an enjoyable experience for our guys. And I think if you asked any of the the guys that I've had in the last six years, they tell you that you know they've had a really good time playing high school football, and that's really what it's all about. And of course, the wins have been nice. You know, we've been fortunate enough to be on the right side of the win-loss column in every year but one in the last six years. So obviously, you know, that's huge plus. You know, I've just, I've had a blast um, coaching with the guys that I coach with on my staff and coaching the kids that we do because they're hardworking and, you know, they're blue-collar kids that just, they come and they want to get better and, you know, we have fun and you know, I, I love seeing what they do after high school, and you know that's probably, I guess, the thing I'm most proud of. Uh, looking back on the six years, is the guys that go on, and you know, the, the guys that certainly the guys that go on and play college football, wherever that may be, but also the guys that go into the military. You know, the guys that go into a trade or go to a four-year college as a student. You know, I'm just very proud of the young men. I think that that have come through our program in the last six years. 
Out of those, uh, out of these six seasons, have you only missed the playoffs once? Missed the playoffs once, yeah, 2016. Uh, and that's that's for, that's that's a great run. I mean, no offense to Fieldcrest coaches before then or stuff like that, but a coach Nate Lorton came right before you, and I think he took Fieldcrest to the playoffs for the first time, and now you've made it a tradition there. Just talk about. It pretty much is a community thing there. I mean, I've talked to Kenton Casterjohn, I've talked to Drew Barth, I've talked to Mason Falk, I've talked to other guys on your team, you know, this year and previous, Grant Jokums, Ryan Barth. I don't know if you had Ryan Barth, did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my first year I did, yeah. Okay. So you've had all these players and... You know, from the beginning until the end, it's always a continuous, continuous kind of tradition, kind of, you know, this is Fieldcrest football. I mean, with those six years and having these players in the community and everybody, almost everybody in Minook and Dana and Rutland and, you know, Winona buying into the football program and being part of it. I mean, that's got to be something special for you. Yeah, um, certainly, and you know, just the names that you just listed off, you know, that's really what what makes it special is the guys that you work with, you know, and I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of guys that, I mean, start naming them and you'll undoubtedly leave out, you know, a ton of guys, but, you know, Drew and Ryan Barth, uh, Jared Reigns, uh, Grant Jokums, Jake Griffin, Billy Moline, uh, up to, you know, Brett Sullivan, and uh, Lucas Rankin and Anthony Rogers, who's actually on our staff now coaching, and Jack McDonough and uh, Cam Grandy and uh, Derek May and Tyler McKay and Mike Morris. And, you know, certain, there's there's so many more guys. It's just, yeah, you know, as a community, I think our, our guys really take pride in being a Fieldcrest football player. And, you know, I think as a community, Fieldcrest School District really values this football team, and I think you saw that with our the season that we just had. You know, our crowds were amazing, and our support was tremendous. It's just something that we put a lot of meaning to. You know, it's like I said, it's it's a once in a lifetime experience for the young men that play football at Fieldcrest High School, and um, it's very important to our community. So. Uh, it's been it's just been really special to be able to to work with the guys that I've worked with and you know it's been a heck of a six years I wouldn't trade it for anything definitely let's go back to this year's team just because I wanted to I mean we just did the kind of like an alumni roll call which was awesome because I kept thinking of, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I kept yeah. thinking of people as you were saying them you said one I'm like Derek May okay you said him <laughs> I'm yeah. going through the names that was pretty awesome first of all you you know you mentioned your uh, coaching staff. Uh, if you could just tell me the guys that you have behind you and and you know how they've helped this team get to where they were this season. Oh yeah, I, I love to. Um, so on our staff we have seven others. It's uh, Mitch Lurie and Craig Meyer and Zach Meyer, uh, Wayne Weber and Logan Weber, uh, Anthony Rogers and Mike Freeman. You know we just we have a, uh, a staff that's just like I said, the selfless and uh, hardworking and. You know, really just want what's best for the guys. And, you know, no matter what anybody's role is, you know, going from our JV program, um, let's say Anthony Rogers and Logan Weber and our head JV coach, Mike Freeman, you know, they do a tremendous job in in preparing our our freshmen and sophomores for varsity football and making sure that those guys have fun doing it because that's the most important thing is, you know, obviously you want to win games at that level, but you got to get kids back and get kids invested and uh, make sure they're having an enjoyable experience and you know our, our coaches really do a great job of doing that 
you know, that's kind of the foundation of your program is, you know, your, your junior varsity levels. And uh, the success that we've had on the varsity level is definitely attributed to the work that our, our guys at the JV level have done. You know, at the varsity level, we got, you know, obviously Mitch Neely has been my defense coordinator for all six years, and he's been my right-hand man. And, you know, I don't know what I would do without him because he's so detail-oriented and, um, you know, it pushes our guys in in all aspects, on and off the field, to be better young men off the field, uh, to be better players on the field. And he's, he's been just really great to work with, you know, in – you know, we've been in each other's weddings, too, so that tells you how close we are. Craig Meyer and, and Wayne Weber have been around Fieldcrest football for uh, decades, and, uh, you know, they've seen it all, and to have their experience on staff has been been awesome. You know, I mean, just to draw from them and what they know and their knowledge has been really beneficial to me, you know, especially coming into it. You know, my first year, I was 23 years old, and you know, I didn't really know anything. You know, it was just a, kind of a naive college kid who you know lucked into getting this job and you know I was fortunate enough to have two guys who took me under their wing and really showed me the ropes and you know it really taught me more about the game and you know it helped me become a better coach and um Zach Meyer just joined our staff last year and you know he's been uh a great to work with his knowledge of the game is second to none and he's a great x's and o's guy it's very detail oriented and is prepares our guys to the best of his ability on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively and you know he's really helped take our program to the next level as well so i, I think we just we have all kinds of uh, things that our coaching staff brings to the table whether it's you know experience or you know we've we've got guys who played in college and you know obviously we've got guys who grew up in our community who played at Fieldcrest or played at MDR even and just have great knowledge of our community and, and knowledge of our kids and you know know their families and you know it's just like I said the reason why we're successful is because of our staff and you know I have great guys who have really helped me through and you know I don't know where we'd be without the guys on our staff working with me a journalist to a coach's relationship I feel like I know you pretty well I know uh, Mitch Neely and I know a couple of the other guys that you mentioned it seems like all of you guys are like laid back like personable yeah. Like, you could go up and talk to them if you're a player and you have a question or you don't understand something. Do you feel that kind of helps, too? It looks like, to me anyway, it seems like you guys can communicate with your players and get things through them that maybe if you were different or not laid back or something like that, it really wouldn't touch base with them. Yeah, you know, I think especially in this day and age, you know, you have to be personable. and The kids have to know that you care about them. You have to be in it for the kids. Kids can see right through the BS right away. You know, I mean, you're not going to fool them. If, if you're there for yourself or you're there for different reasons or you don't care about their well-being, they'll know right away. And so every coach in our staff cares about our kids as people. You know, they want to see them become better people overall they want to see them become successful young men you know after they get done at fieldcrest high school and i mean every guy on our staff is very personable you know they're they're very approachable and you know our, our guys really develop a, a close bond with the coaches on our staff which i think you can see on the field you know our guys really they play hard and um you know i think that is partly because of the bonds that they they have with their coaches and you know they know that we're trying to do what's best for them and we're trying to put them in the best position to be successful so yeah you know like i said I, 
you know, I'm very blessed and very thankful to have the guys on our coaching staff that, that I do because I think it's just a great mesh and uh, of personalities. And uh, it's pretty rare, I think, in, in, at the small school level that you'll find uh, eight coaches that, you know, are, are so selfless and so hardworking and just, you know, want what's best for the guys. How many seniors were on the squad? I know there was quite a few. We have 17 seniors total. So next year might not be a rebuilding, but it's probably going to feel like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, in, in some cases, yeah. You know, we lose a lot of starters, especially up front in our offensive and defensive lines. But that being said, you know, we have a junior class of 15. Uh, for us, it's pretty big. And, you know, it, to me, it kind of feels like I hate to, our guys are so used to being compared to 2014 because that was the other team in our history that's made the semifinals. But, you know, it kind of feels like 2014, 2015 because while we graduated a number of very talented players in a big senior class, we had a pretty, really, really strong junior class behind them. And, you know, we might, we might be losing a lot of starters this year, but we have a number of guys who are ready to step into big roles next year who are just kind of waiting in the wings and probably would have been starters on a lot of other 2A teams. You know, it's going to be tough to replace all the guys and the leadership that we had this year, certainly. You know, we lose a lot of three- and four-year starters, but at the same time, I think we have some very talented players behind them that are just waiting to get their chance or going to work really hard in the offseason to have a, a really good season for next year. Are you going to miss uh, Mason Falk? That's a big fellow who got uh, all-state nods. That was awesome to hear. <laughs> Am I going to? Absolutely. I'm going to miss Mason Falk, yeah. Uh, he... Uh, Mason Falk is special, man. He's he's one of the best to ever wear a Fieldcrest jersey. Um, he, he, in my opinion, in every game we played this year, I thought he was the best player on the field. Sometimes it's hard to, to notice that. You know, as an interior, he, he played uh, left guard for us on offense, and he was an interior defensive lineman on defense for us. And sometimes for the casual observer, it's hard to notice his impact. But when you watch film and you notice that, um, the push he gets on offense, the way that he would uh, just displace whatever D-line was, was in front of him to open up holes. And defensively, um, you know, oftentimes he's occupying almost always two offensive linemen, sometimes three, and even in some occasions four guys are trying to block him. Um, the way that he, you know, he, he led our team in tackles. I think he had over 80 tackles this year total. But the way that he was able to free up our linebackers and keep offensive linemen off of them so they could make plays. He was instrumental for what we did this year. Um, you know, he, he was a team captain and a leader for us and uh, just a very special talent. You know, you're not going to find too many guys that are 6'2 and probably 290 pounds with just the, the feet that he has and the balance that he has. And, of course, he's, you know, uh, his, his strength is tremendous and you know he's just he's got a lot of tools that you know I, I put him right up there with some of the best linemen in the state of Illinois I, I think he's that good so he's going to be a big loss next year both uh, figuratively and uh, literally for sure yeah I seen I didn't uh, I didn't see you guys live covering for News Tribune or anything like that but I've seen some clips and seen some tape and stuff like that 
And I was like, who is that big fella? And then when yeah. when I was asking you, you know, guys who I could talk to and things like that, when you gave me his name, I was like, that's the big guy. That's that's him. That's the guy that moved yeah. like that. Because he yeah. moved really, really well for his size. Yeah. Mason, even though he was, you know, 285, 290 pounds, he's never off balance. He, he's always balanced. It, it's just incredible what he does at that weight, you know, how he carries his weight, you know, it, he blocks not only uh, defensive linemen, but the way he worked up to linebackers too, and was able to block guys who you know might have been quicker than him. But you know, with his footwork and his technique and how balanced he was, he's just got some rare traits that you can't coach. And um, you know, there's a reason why he was a four-year starter for us, and that's because he's just a you know special kid. You know, he's just. They're very, very talented, for sure. I'm glad we just gave a lineman some shine, because usually, you know, we're talking yeah. about a quarterback or a running back or something like that, but it was cool to watch him play. It was it was special. Yeah, it was, very, it was fun. I'm certainly going to miss him and yeah, miss his, not only his play on the field, but his leadership off the field that are going to be missed next year. We've already been talking for a half hour. Time flies when we're having fun. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could talk football all day, and especially about the Knights. I've always enjoyed covering you guys. I always had fun speaking with you. I think I did a Coach of the Year story with you a few years back, didn't I? Yeah, my first year... Yeah, we were, uh, yeah, the year we went 12-1, um, <laughs> seems like a long time ago now, but <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I went to your classroom at Fieldcrest High School. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Changed classrooms since then. Uh, I got one on the first floor now, which is pretty nice. Close to the football locker room. It's a better setup. Nice. You have to come by and check it out sometime, Brandon. Yeah, now I'm going to have to, now that you got different classrooms <laughs> on the first floor. Because I remember us going to your old classroom. It was like a maze to get up there. Yeah, it was way up. It's on the third floor. It was kind of off the beaten path. But yeah, now I'm like, right when you open the door for the football locker room, you just take a right right over there. It's pretty sweet. Not to go up any stairs. Or yeah, It's nice. Definitely worked out better this year, you know, with having meetings and watching film and all that stuff. Awesome. Hopefully they didn't make the classroom switch because I think you're getting old or something. No, I hope. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, if you look at my hair and see all the grays, you can definitely tell I'm getting older. So that could be why. I'll have to ask Mr. Lapp. <laughs> That's awesome. Are you, are you even 30 yet or just turned 30? No, uh, I just turned 29. Okay. So, I, but I feel every bit of it. I mean, some days I feel like I'm 49, I guess, or 59. Oh, you got a lot of time, sir. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you again for joining us, and congrats on a, on a very special season. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. This is a good time. Definitely. Like I said, who doesn't want to chat about football, especially after just being one of the final four teams in Class 2A? That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a heck of a ride. just wish, you know, we would have got one more win and played for a title in DeKalb. But, you know, I'm really proud of the guys and what we did this year, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs>